Welcome to Tucumcari First Assembly's podcast. Our prayer is that through today's message, you're both encouraged and challenged wherever you might be in your walk with Christ. Now open your hearts to be changed by the Word of God. I love being real at church. Amen? And by the way, it's not basically Christmas yet. Y'all, y'all, those people that, you know, November 1st, all the lights go up. I'm okay with it. I don't care. Um, thank y'all so much for, for having us. I've said it before, said it again. It's a blessing. It's an honor. We consider it a privilege to be here. Um, I, I'm thankful for being the one that got called on the extra hour Sunday. Rather than the nobody shows up for anything Sunday, Pastor, right? Uh, it's a big difference. It's a big difference. Anyway, I don't know why we do that anymore. I've been up forever just waiting in anticipation for this morning, so I hope you are too. Um, can I tell a quick story? Uh, just a couple of weeks ago, I was on an elk hunt. Um, wasn't my elk hunt. I was kind of bummed that I didn't get drawn for elk this year, but I got to go on a hunt with a buddy. Um, we hunted in an area that, you know, you have to hike in. There's no roads in. It's, you know, you hike four or five miles just to get to where the, the elk are. Um, we're on our hike, and I'm just, I'm being honest with you, a lot of times when I go hunting, I pray about it. Hunting, fishing, you know, give me the big one, Lord. Right? <laughs> Come on, Lord, I want a big buck. I want a big bull, right? I know they're selfish and it's kind of dumb, but I do. So long hiking, it's you're quiet, right? You're you're always quiet on these long hikes. We're hours in, and I turn the corner and we're we're now facing west on a northern slope. So there's no sun. It's cool. It's amazing. The, the temperature is perfect. Aspen on our right, right, up the slope is nothing but white trunks. You got the smell, if you've ever been in the woods, and the smell of the aspen, there's something that's just indescribable about it. On our left, it's downslope, and all we see is the yellow, the yellow leaves. And right in front of us, we're on an old logging trail that hasn't been opened in like 30 years. It's a blanket a complete, utter blanket, untouched blanket of yellow. The leaves have fallen. And at the end of the trail, the sun is shining past the mountain, and there's one aspen tree in the middle of it, and it's just lit up and glowing. And I just stopped. In awe, natural, take a picture. But as I'm sitting there, standing, looking at what he's done, I feel him standing next to me. And my dad, so my dad passed away a couple years ago, but pretty sure his love language is touch. Because, and if you've been around me long enough, you probably know that that's me too. But he just smack you, right? Walk up to you and smack you in the chest, in the gut, on the back, on the shoulder. It didn't matter. He was going to tell you he loves you by. And I just feel like the Lord was standing there and go, <laughs> I did that. Right? 
He did that. You think about it from creation. When he said, let there be light, he was saying, let there be life. Even the trees, right? The, the trees take what we expel in our breath, you know, the, the carbon dioxide, and, and that waste becomes what they need, right? And then they produce oxygen that we need. And in the fall, the temperature drops, right? He designed all of this. The beauty, you cannot look around the world today and in nature and not see a creator. So I was, I was taken back a little bit. And then not long after, I got the text from Jen. Hey, can you come on these couple days? And this was the day that, that we could come. So um, it was kind of a special story. I want to start in Revelation 12, 11. Revelation 12, 11. And they overcame him, and by him, they mean Satan. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. Let's pray. And as I do, just you just pray this prayer for you. I believe that just like he spoke to me on the mountain, that he speaks to us today. We've gathered together in his name, and we know that he's here. All right, he will speak to us. We just listen. So get your hearts ready. Get your, your minds ready to hear from him today. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that when we gather that you're here. We thank you for your presence, Lord. I pray that you would guide and direct me, that every word that come out of my mouth, Lord, that it would glorify you. But, Lord, that you would speak to us. We pray that you would speak something personal to us today, that it would draw us closer to you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Many, anybody farm? Anybody have a garden? And I know we live in the desert, but anybody garden, grow your own stuff, grow your own veggies? Um, I, I, I like spicy food, so peppers has been something that I just tend to go out, you know, we live in Albuquerque, I don't have a whole lot of space, but I can grow some peppers. And this year, I changed where I grew them, and, and, and I planted them, and they just weren't doing good. Uh, the heat didn't help, right? <laughs> this summer was hot, so that wasn't helping. But the more I researched and the more I kind of dug into it, per, you know, per se, uh, my soil wasn't, wasn't right. It didn't have the right nutrients, so I needed to do what? Fertilize, right? I needed to, to fertilize. And as a fisherman, um, I can't help but my mind is imaginative, right? It just runs all the time. But I can't help but think of when we were in grade school and they, they showed us the pictures of them burying the fish with the seed, right? It turns out that fish... When they decompose, when, when, they, when they rot and they decompose in the ground, they actually release the nutrients that my plants needed to grow, that they needed to flower, and they needed to produce fruit, right? So that's what we're talking about this morning, dead fish. <laughs> no, well, kind of, but fertilizer. We're going to talk about fertilizer. Our past should be fertilizer for the future. Amen? Our past should fertilize the future. 
Jeremiah actually talks about our future. This is a verse, Jeremiah 29, 11, that probably a lot of you have memorized. You might have it written on your wall, on a plaque, in a, right on your desk, wherever. Um, he talks about our future. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good, not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. He has a plan. He has a path for us. And even though we can take detours, even though we can get off that path, right? If you remember back, we can outrun our light. We can get out from underneath the light of God that shows us the way. However, we serve a God that can actually make our detours shortcuts. We serve a God that can take our stuff, our junk, our sin, the trauma in our lives and turn it to good. We can fertilize our future with what's happened in the past. Romans 8.28. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Causes everything, the good, the bad, the ugly, the smelly, the disgusting, the rotten, to work together for the good, to bring hope, to fertilize our future, because he has a purpose for us, a purpose. Every one of us, it doesn't matter what your past looks like, he has a purpose for you. It ought to give us hope that what we're going through right now to remember what he's done for us. It isn't the junk that becomes our fertilizer, but it's what God did with it and what God did in us and what God did for us. You see, if you go and read the Psalms, you can look at the life of David and the Psalms that he wrote as examples of what it looks like to be going through stuff. And to get to a place of having hope. David is known as a man after God's own heart. But if you look at the life of David, it wasn't perfect. Right? Psalm 3, I'll, just, I'll read it here in a second. But Psalm 3 is an example of, of one of the situations and circumstances that David found himself in. His son had rebelled and turned against him. He's trying to take the throne from David. And David is on the run. The king Right? The king that was anointed years ago as a teenager is now on the run from his own son. Right? Absalom didn't just wake up one day having a perfect childhood and having an amazing, perfect dad and decide to rebel. Things led up to this, so he finds himself in a situation. But as I read this, and I, I know this isn't th theological, there's no, right? But my mind, you know, it just runs. So when I read stuff, um, and I don't read a whole lot of books other than, other than the Bible, and LaDon can attest to this. But my mind runs. I, I picture their face, you know, facial expressions. I picture, you know, you know hearing their tone of voice, if you would. I even go as far as to add characters to some of these, right? You watch David. And I know, again, I'm just making a disclaimer. It's not theological. But who, who knows who Eeyore is? 
Yeah. All the kids are like, yes. Eeyore never sees the good in anything. Oh, bother. Right? David goes from Eeyore to who knows who Leonidas is. Right? A Spartan. Right? You can see the expression on his face. You see a turning point in David's psalm where he goes from Eeyore to Leonidas. Psalm 3, verse 1. Oh, Lord, I have so many enemies. So many are against me. Oh, bother. So many are saying, God will never rescue him. Oh, bother. But you. His turning point. But God. But Jesus. Verse 3. But you, O Lord, are a shield around me. You are my glory, the one who holds my head high. There's a turning point. I cried out to the Lord, and he answered from his holy mountain. I lay down and slept, yet I woke in safety, for the Lord was watching over me. I am not afraid of 10,000 enemies who surround me on every side. Arise, O Lord, rescue me, my God. Slap all my enemies in the face. Shatter the teeth of the wicked. Victory comes from you, O Lord. May you bless your people. David went from being overcame to an overcomer, right? David went from being on the run, surrounded by 10,000 of his enemies. And now, but God, he's an overcomer. He begins to remember what God has done. He does three things. And I believe that we can learn from those three things. He acknowledged it. He acknowledged the pain. Right? He didn't ignore it. He, he, he didn't dismiss it. He didn't try to sweep it under the rug and pretend that he wasn't on the run from his son in 10,000. He acknowledged it. And then he remembered. He remembered what God has done for him. His turning point. But God. And then he prayed. Right? He prayed and he asked for help. Life happens. Right? Seasons of life happen. They stunt our growth like the heat in the summer. We make decisions on our own and get us into places and circumstances. We also have decisions made for us. Right? Stuff that we didn't have any control over. We get bad news have relationships get broken, right? All kinds of trauma and sin can happen in life and stunt our growth and get us off path and out of that plan. But we serve a God who can take that and turn it for good. We serve a God that can take that detour and, and make it a shortcut. Take something smelly and disgusting and fertilize our future. Our testimony can give us hope when we remember. When we're in the middle of stuff and we remember, it can give us hope, but it can also provide hope to those around us. 
We see all throughout the Bible, when people hear about what God is doing, it gives them hope. One of my favorite stories is in the Old Testament, Rahab. Because if, if you don't know the, the story of Rahab, go, go read it and read the history there and read where she came from and where she ends up. Rahab meets the spies at Jericho. The, the Israelites have been taken out of slavery. They've now crossed the Jordan. They are going to go and take possession of the land that God has promised. And Jericho is next on the list of being dispossessed, meaning destroyed. Right? We're talking about death and killing and, and right, all the great stuff. She intercepts the spies and saves them. And we pick that story up in Joshua chapter 2, just a few verses, 9 through 11. She says, I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. We're all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror. For we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we know what you did to Sion and Og, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. Rahab was a prostitute. Rahab was destined in the next few days to die just like everyone else in Jericho. Rahab was, was one that should have been destroyed like the other cities that the Israelites come in contact with. Yet she heard about God. She heard, and when everybody else had a debilitating fear, she heard something that gave her hope. And the rest of her story is that she overcome not only just that day, but her family was saved. And she ends up in the genealogy of Jesus Christ in the New Testament. Talk about restoration. Talk about making something new. Her life was changed because of the hope that she heard about God. The New Testament is scattered with people that heard People that heard about Christ, people that heard about Jesus and what he was doing. Mark 5, the woman with the issue of blood, right? She heard what Jesus was doing, right? She, she heard and came and was healed. Mark 7, the mother with the, the, the demon-possessed daughter. Luke 7, the Roman, right? It wasn't just the Jews, but the, the Roman soldier whose, whose slave was dying, you can look at the disciples. The disciples were gathered because they heard, right? John tells Andrew, so Andrew heard. Andrew tells Peter. Philip tells Nathaniel. When they heard, they came. When people hear what God has done, when they hear a testimony, it gives them hope, hope to overcome what they're going through. You know, a couple of visits ago, I was talking with, with Bobby. We were talking at lunch and just talking about sharing with people and how you do that. And, and we got on the subject of coach versus mentor. And this is just my kind of internal interpretation. If you Google uh, coach versus a mentor, you're not going to get this, but this is Nick's interpretation. 
You know, they, they both want to help people, right? A mentor and a coach both want to help people. And the difference is in the way they approach things, right? I, I talked to him about, you know, if, if a sprinter in track needs help, um, sprinter, you know, they run short distances really fast and they want to, want to do it faster. So I said, you know, a mentor would, would approach him and say, you know, when I discovered when I was about your age that the, how important the upper body is, right? The upper body is in sprinting. I shaved an, a second off of my 100-meter dash, right, by changing my form and my upper body strength. Right? That's a mentor. The coach would see that same sprinter and go, your form needs to change. And what we're going to do about this is we're going to run some drills to change your upper body so that your upper body drives you down the, down the lane. And these are the exercises we're going to do to increase your strength. One provides hope, right? I shaved a second off of my time. The other provides a way, right? The other, we need both in our lives. We need both in our lives. We started with Revelation 12, 11. The word of our testimony provides hope. The blood of the lamb provides the way. Mark 5 in the woman with the issue of blood. If you take a look at her life, I would say she had probably lost hope. It says that she dealt with her sickness for 12 years. It says that she spent all she had on physicians trying to get better, and it said she even was made worse. She had probably lost hope, but it says she heard, right? She had a but Jesus moment. She heard about Jesus. Maybe it was a testimony of the guy from, from John 5, right? You hear about the guy in John 5 that, that sat by the pool of Bethesda just waiting to be put into the water, after the angel touched him, but he had no one there. He dealt with his sickness for 38 years, but Jesus. Maybe it was his testimony or another, but she heard someone, and it gave her hope. Enough hope that by faith she risked everything. If you know about the Hebrew law, you know she was risking breaking the law, being in public with her sickness. But she risked it all just to touch the hem of Christ's garment and be healed. A testimony gave her hope. The Lamb of God provided the way. So why did I tell you the story of our elk trip? I pray that it gives you hope that, that God doesn't just care about the big stuff, but he cares about the little stuff. Right? We were on an elk hunt. There was nothing life or death, right? We don't live in a society that, that we can't just go down to the store and get the food that our family needs, right? If we didn't come home with an elk or we shot a big one, it didn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. But he was there. He was there. He was answering prayers along the way. If I told you the rest of that story, the rest of that story is essentially... I see as we're sitting in this meadow where the elk are going to come out. And I, I look to my buddy and I tell him, at sundown, that's where they're going to come from. And what happens? At sundown, that's where they come from. 
And we got so excited and we loaded up our stuff and we headed across. And we take about two steps too many. And the cows busted us. And if you've ever been in the woods where you're surrounded by, you know, 40 cows and there's just a couple bulls, the bulls have no idea what's going on. And the cows, you know, you've got 80 to 100 eyes and they're all on you. We got busted. But I tell you, I'll remember every time I take a hike, every time I see yellow leaves in the trees of that day. Every time I make a stock on an animal, I'm going to remember that day that I outran my light. He showed me where they were, and then we kicked in, and we took over and, and got busted. He cares about the small things and the big things. I can stand up here and tell you testimony after testimony about LaDonna and I's marriage. We could, go all, we could stand up here all day. Y'all might fall asleep by the time we're done. We can tell you of restoration of the two of us mess as individuals come together bigger mess as a marriage if you think you can take two unhealthy individuals and put them together and make a healthy marriage you're in for a surprise all right it's true but god we had a but god moment and then he took us on a journey a journey to a point where our marriage is amazing. It's still not as good as it can be, and we're still working. And we will be, I think, for the rest of our lives, and I hope it's true, that it gets better every day of our lives. I can stand up here and, and talk to you about, you know, my heart is men. My heart is men standing up and doing, you know, what they're called to do in their families, in their homes, in their jobs, in their neighborhoods, in their cities, standing up. As a, as a father, you know, took a look at 2020. 2020 was a great year, wasn't it? Nobody is, you know, there's none of this, right? It was, forget the COVID piece of it. We created a mental epidemic, right? We took around the world people that have been out of their house, and we shoved them all inside of their homes and said, don't leave. Everything that was a little bit under the surface, all the issues that were just under the surface, all of a sudden were brought to the surface, and oh my. Well, we had a pre-2020 event that happened years ago. Our three sons, they're now 22, 19, 17, um, when they were 6, 3, and 1, um, we decided to buy a camper, and we went for seven and a half weeks in my truck and in a camper, and you're already going, why? Us too, <laughs> right? A weekend, we're like, oh, we've got another six and a half weeks. All the things that were under the surface, for me as a father, I was an angry, impatient, high expectations dad. Y'all heard about expectations last time I was here, right? You add those three together, stick me in a camper for seven and a half weeks with my family. Not a big camper either. Right? We went on a trip. We got home, and LaDonna is at her end. I can't understand why. <laughs> no, I, right? 
I finally get her to, to start answering some questions and open up. And she looks at me and she says, if you don't change, he will hate you for the rest of your life. She was talking about my oldest. He was six. The rest of them got the same treatment from dad that he did, but he understood a little bit more, right? Being six was different than being one, right? She said, the look on his face, if you don't change, he will hate you. And right there, man, it broke me. It broke me. And I had a but God moment. He began to show me the destruction around me, what I had created, what was going on, what was really going on in the hearts of those boys and in Ladon. So he took me on a journey. He took me on a journey of restoring me so that in my home, I was the man that they needed to be, that they needed to have, the father, the husband. And he began to work in me and through me. And what they begin to see is different. My oldest is 22. I always use him as an example. Um, he's 22, and it doesn't matter where we are. He didn't get this from me because he didn't see this with me and my parents. But it doesn't matter where we are. We could be at the gym, at the gym in Albuquerque, full of these muscle-bound, macho guys everywhere. He doesn't even look around to see who's watching or who's looking. If I've got to leave or he's got to leave, he looks up at me if he's sitting down because <laughs> he's about this tall. Anyway, Dad, I love you. He doesn't care. He doesn't pause. He doesn't hesitate. If we're at home and one of us is going to bed before the other, if he's going to leave or I'm going to leave, going to work, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who's at our home. If he's got a room full of his friends of 22-year-old kids, 22-year-old men, right? It doesn't matter. He, he will bend down, again, because he's about that tall. Um, all three of my boys passed me a long time ago. <laughs> but he bends down so I can kiss him on the side of the head or the top of the head. Love you, Dad. Love you too, bud. I serve a God. It doesn't matter what my past looked like, my present, my future, because I allowed God to come in and do a work in me has changed what my boys know today. God can restore relationships, and it is never too late. God can restore what was broken, and it's never too broken to restore for God because nothing is impossible for him. Mike, you want to you wanna join me? Mike loves coming up here and playing for us that we'll sit here and talk for, for hours. And y'all do know it's extra hour Sunday, right? That means I get to stand up here for another hour or so. Have you ever been around dead fish? You ever forget, you know, any fishermen forget a fish, you know, get home in a hurry and you forget a fish in the back of the truck, you know, wherever. What does it do? Oh, it stinks, right? Smells. I Googled the other day um, getting smell out of, getting the fish smell out of a car. 
You want to know how many articles there are on how to try to get smell out of a car? And then the replies, I did that and it didn't work. Right? Because it permeates everything. It does. It gets into everything and you carry it around. (laughs) If you've buried a fish, you need to leave it buried. Right? If you dig that fish up, trying to see if it's working or not, you'll expose the roots or the, or the seed, sprout, does more damage than good. And the same goes in our lives. The same goes in our lives. Reliving our past, reliving that junk over and over again. And I'm not talking about it to get to that point of what God's done, but just reliving that hurt, the pain, the trauma, the sin over and over again, telling people over and over again is like digging up that fish. And it stinks. Brings you down. Look, honestly, one of my struggles has been reliving the sin of my past, right? The decisions that I made before I had my but God moment. Right? Reliving those things over and over again in my thoughts. Nothing good comes from it. I've never grown from being awake all night long thinking about the stupid decisions I made in my 20s. Nothing good. It's like digging up that fish. And when we relive it with others, it doesn't just bring us down, but it brings them down. If we bury it, we should leave it. If we've been healed, leave it buried. If we've been forgiven, leave it buried. And as I was preparing, this part just kept coming up over and over and over again. Don't let it define you. Do not let your past define you. It is not who you are. That is shame. Shame will tell you that you are your past, that you are the decisions you've made, that you are that sin, that you are what's happened to you. Do not let it define you. It is not who you are. And Satan will use other people. Satan will use other people to come in and speak things over you. Right? You're cursed. You're trash. You're good for nothing. In prison ministry, I did it for four and a half years, and I would walk out crying every time I talked about this because they would tell me the things that they heard. You're going to be good for nothing, just like your father, just like your mother. They don't have a say in it. Satan doesn't have a say in who you are. You are a child of God. He created you for something special. He has a purpose for you no matter what the past looks like. You are not your past and don't let it define you. Don't let it hold you down. Let your past fertilize the future. Instead of reliving the past with our words and our thoughts, spend a little time talking about what God's done with your past.
what God's done in your past and what God's doing in you right now. Some of you just might be in the middle of stuff right now. Right? Dealing with stuff now. Be in the middle of pain and hurt now. And the last thing you want to hear is somebody, a Christian, a friend, say, well, well, God's going to work it all out for, for good. I know that's the last thing you want to hear. I've been there. The last thing I want to hear when I'm in the middle of something, when I've gotten bad news, when I've, when, right? It doesn't matter, but the last thing I want to hear is that, but he does. He works it all out. Allow him to come in and heal. Allow him to come in and restore. I just wanna, I wanna open it up. Why don't y'all stand with me? If any of that is, has spoke to you, if you're, if you're dealing with stuff right now, if you're in the middle of stuff right now, if something's happened to you, um, a decision that you didn't make, that got made for you, or a decision that you've made. If you're dealing with stuff right now, I just want to open up, want to open up the front for you to just come down, take a step of faith. Take a step of faith and, and come down. Right, this is the safest place to exercise your faith, to act in faith. So come on down. Or if you're dealing with stuff, if you've gone through stuff and you just haven't gotten past it, if you want to move beyond, if you just want to get beyond it, come on down. And I want to remind you of, of David. We're not here to ignore the pain, the suffering, the hurt. We're not here to sweep it under the rug. It's real. Right? David acknowledged it. He acknowledged it. He acknowledged the pain and the hurt. You may need to process this with somebody, right? Somebody that you trust. Because getting it out into the light gets it out of the darkness. Satan can't use it against you when it's in the light. He can't use it against you if you've brought it out into the light of Christ. And remember what he's done in the past. Seasons of life might stunt our growth, but remembering what God's done in the past can give us that hope. And pray. Ask for help. Ask for help. If it hurts, tell him how bad. If he seems distant, tell him about it. If you go read the Psalms and David, David is not afraid to tell God what's on his mind. All right, he's a, he's a big God. And then ask for healing. Ask for forgiveness. Pray about it. Well, if that's you, just... 
you want to walk through this prayer with me, just raise your hand where you are. And those around them, if you would, if you would join and with them in prayer and, and just stand beside and stand with. I want to pray with you and, and walk you through something. And I want to encourage you. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you are a God of hope. You are a God of hope that doesn't leave us just because life happens, Lord. Lord, that you take what was smelly, what was stinky, you fertilize our future and you give us a hope. Lord, that we can come to you in the blood of Christ. It gives us the way. Lord, I thank you that you're a God of restoration, that you restore old things to new, that you bring the broken back together. Lord, I know you've heard their prayers. You've heard them over and over again. I know you've seen their tears and their pain. You know their pain. You know the, the hurt. Lord, I pray that you would shower them and cover them with your peace, a peace that they can't understand. Lord, shower them with your love and your grace. Lord, right now we cast our cares upon you. Lord, we cast our cares and we don't want them back. We ask you to take them. Take them and we trust them with you. Take our hurt, our pain, our sin, and use it for good. Lord, begin to show them right now who they are and what you see when you look at them that they are not their past. They are not what others have said about them. They are not their old decisions. They are precious. They are masterpieces. They are works of art. Lord, that, that you see royalty when you look at them, kings and queens, mighty men, mighty women of God. You see conquerors, and overcomers. Lord, you see righteousness in Christ. Lord, we thank you for your love. Lord, speak to them right now. Give them a word. A word, Lord, that's personal. A word that they can hang on to, that they can hold on to. Show them your love. Remind them of what they've been through, but what you've done with it. Remind them of the past. Remind them of your gift. Lord, we ask in this moment for healing, that you would heal our bodies, that you would heal our minds and our spirits and our souls. Lord, that you would come in and invade and invade our space. Lord, that you would begin to put back together the broken Lord, that you would restore the old and make it new again, make it strong again. And Lord, we ask for your forgiveness. And show us, Lord, how to keep it buried. 
that as we do, you would, you would show us the way. Lord, begin to reveal their purpose. Reveal that purpose to them, Lord. That you have a purpose for them, a, a purpose of, of doing amazing, that you'll do amazing through them and in them. Show them that purpose and guide and direct in love, Lord. Lord, that as they go, that you would send people their direction that need hope, that need to hear what you have done, that need to hear what you've done in them, that it would provide hope, that it would draw them to you so that the blood of the Lamb would make the way. Lord, I pray, and as they do, I just see a body that goes and shares that testifies all over this city that they would shout Jesus in the streets with their families, with their friends, with their neighbors, that their testimony would, would draw people to you, that it would bring glory to your name, that neighborhoods would change and family trees would change. The Tucumcari in Quay County would change because of what you have done in the word that those here are shouting from the streets. Lord, I ask all of this in your name. Amen. So I just encourage you, as you go, no matter where you are in this, pursue your purpose. Pursue that purpose that God has for you. Pursue it. Life is going to come. Life is going to happen. Live a life of thanksgiving, remembering what he's done, and you will live an overcoming life. Amen. Are you glad to have come to church on Extra Hour Sunday? such a blessing to look out and see this place is full. I know there's a lot of people with a big old fat smile on their face and I'm one of them. This is awesome. You really have something special here. So I'll say a blessing over you and, and, and let you go and I just pray that the rest of Sunday extra hour Sunday, which by the way, kind of means that you lose one tonight, but <laughs> little Eeyore coming out in the, in that. But as you go today, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May causes face to shine upon you both now and forever. As you go to be the church, share what God has done in your life with someone today. Thank you for listening. If you're able, we would love to have you join us in service on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. You can find more information on Facebook. Just search Tucumcari First Assembly. Have a great day.